Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And run your finger down through it till you see the title, The Lord's Supper. I think every Bible in, in the world's got that. The Lord's Supper. Amen? Things were different back in the day. You know, the very first time that Jesus ever had communion was with his disciples. And they were dining together. And Jesus spoke to them about the bread being emblematic of the body, his body. The suffering that he would suffer in his body. And that the cup was symbolic of the blood that he would shed. Now, I, I, I never taught this in a communion service before, but most recently, God has brought this to my attention. And it needs to be shared with everybody that's going to take communion. That was the beginning of suffering for Jesus Christ. Because it was that same night, the Bible says he was going to end up in the garden, right? Now, the thing that has taken my heart and laid it open before God is that I remember the scripture in the Bible that says that Jesus Christ learned obedience through suffering. How many of you ever heard that phrase? It implies, if we're not praying about it and paying attention, it implies that at one time Jesus didn't know obedience and later learned it through suffering, but that's not true. That's not what happened. What happened was he had always been obedient to Father, but it never caused him suffering before that night. It never caused him suffering. Now, his obedience to Father was going to cause him great pain. And let me just lay this out for you real quick. It had nothing to do with what the people were going to do to him. It, it had nothing to do with the soldiers that were going to put him on that cross and run those spikes through his hands and through his feet. And it really wasn't what they were going to do to him before he ever got there with the beating and the stripes on his back. Anyone can imagine that would be painful, wouldn't it? When Jesus was in the garden and he said, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Let me make it very clear to you what he was referring to. Yes, he was going to be beaten. Yes, he was going to be nailed to a cross. He was going to be spit on. He was going to be badly treated. But it was going to reach a point where God himself was going to turn his back on his son and not look upon him. Now, it's been, it's been piercing the void for a long time that one of the reasons for that was that he was going to take on the sin of the world. The sin of the world. All of our sin. He was going to take it on him. And that sounds bad enough, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound like torture enough? But let me tell you, one other thing he took on himself that day, at that time, 
and why Jesus was not looked upon by his father was because Jesus not only, and I don't know if I can say this, I don't even know if I can say it, but God help me. Not only did Jesus take on all of our sin and all of the sin of the world, all that would ever be committed, all that was ever done, He also took upon Himself the wrath of God at that moment so that we wouldn't have to. So that we would not have to take that wrath on us. Because I'm telling you something. God loves us. But when the Bible says that God hates sin, He hates sin. And it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Think about that every time you take communion. It would behoove you to do that. It'd be good for you to do that. To think about what what price has been paid. He died on the cross for me. Thank you, Jesus. But if that's all the knowledge you have of what He accomplished for you, your knowledge is shallow. It's shallow. There's no depth to it. Anybody that believes in Jesus at all knows He died on the cross for your sins. But you need to know if you're going to grow in your relationship with God, everything He took on Himself. Amen? It'll make a difference when you go to take that little cup and that bread, those emblems of the blood and body of the Lord. It's powerful. There is power in the blood. Amen? There's power in the blood. Now, this, at this time where Paul's writing, in verse 17 it says, but in the following instructions I do not command you, but uh, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. How many of you know we can get things wrong? For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be uh, factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. Listen to those words. They, they said we're having communion, we're having the Lord's Supper, but he said, the writer said, you are not having the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to warn you today that there are a lot of churches in this land that are having little rituals and little services, but they're not having communion. Alright? We're going to remedy that problem harmless. Amen? Because we're going to learn the Word. Alright. Let's see. When you come together, it is, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat or drink in? Or do you... Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. I love this guy. Straightforward. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. Another point in case. How many preachers in this world today, I don't know what they're giving away. I don't know what they're giving away. They're not giving away what God gave them. Because if they were giving away what God gave them, this land would be more God-like. Amen? But, starts in our house, we pray for ourselves. Amen? 
Time for us to repent. Amen? For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. So, how often do we have communion? Whenever we want to. There's people in this very church that have it every day. Anything wrong with that? Nope. As long as you don't ritualize it and make it just a habit thing you do. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you something. In a true communion service, there's life. In rituals, there's just death. Dead action, or dead doing things a certain way. But there's life in a good communion service. Amen? All right. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. We can do it every day. There are churches that do it every service. The only thing I fear with that is that they do it every service, but they don't teach on it, and the people don't know what they're doing. It doesn't mean anything. It becomes powerless. How many of you want your communion services to be filled with power? Amen? Amen. Thank you so much. All right. So pick up with me where it starts getting real interesting in verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Does that sound serious to you? It should be. It is serious. But how difficult is it to get it right? Well, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So, what's the requirement? Take a look at yourself. You know, I can only talk from my experience if I'm going to speak of experience is my experience. I was young, very young, when that, when that truth sunk into me. So I would not have a communion service. I wouldn't be in one that I didn't take a look in here. Now I'm just speaking for me. If it's not, you know, eat meat, spit out bones. If you don't, you don't eat it, don't eat it. You don't want to eat it, don't eat it. But what I have found to be true, and I believe others of you in this room will say the same thing, I have never taken a look on the inside that the Holy Spirit Himself did not come along beside me and help me. Isn't He a helper? Isn't He a helper? And is He not a teacher? And does He not love me? Look, man, when you go to Acts, you go to Acts and you find out that the Holy Ghost wants to come live on the inside of you, right? So what better to turn to than the Holy Spirit and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, let your Holy Spirit help me see what you want. And God has never failed me to tell me on the communion service, this is what I want. Sometimes he, he, he takes out something that you know, you need removed. You know what I'm saying? You need it removed. You know, there, there's people I talk about, you know, the times in my life when there were things that had a grip in my life. 
Some of those grips were released in communion services. Look, if you say, Father, in the name of Jesus, help me by the power of your Spirit to see what it is in my life today you want to change. And he shows you and you say, okay. Do you think God's just going to take his hands off everything and say, I'm not going to help you with that? What, what's he going through all that he's going through to show you what he wants, what he wants to touch, what he wants to change if he's not going to be faithful to remove it from us? You know, it, it may be some little thing. It could be some big thing, you know. But those are some of the big miracles in communion services is the things in our lives that change forever. We should be looking for it every time we come together and have communion. We should be looking for that thing that God wants to take from our life to change us forever. Amen? I used to, I used to talk to people in council and they'd say, well, in communion service, I, always hear, I hear the words unworthy and I get scared and I don't want to take communion because I'm, I don't want to do it in an unworthy manner. Right? Well, it sounds logical to be concerned about that. But it's a simple matter of just obeying God. Amen? God says, if the Word says, if you take a look, examine yourself, you get worthy to take that day. Simple. Just be bold. Look. Amen? And then, and then you get worthy to take that day. Right? Alright. Because today is the day. Amen? We're going to partake, right? Alright. So, let's pick up at... Uh, Verse 28, again, let a person examine himself. Then, uh, wait, wait, that then is there for a different reason. i got to back up to verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of Christ. Let a person examine himself then for that reason. Let a person examine himself then, right? Are you with me? You following with me? And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Don't want to do that. Don't get scared. Don't get nervous. Amen. God knows what he's doing when he tells you what to do. Amen. All you got to do is examine yourself. Now, that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. From doing it in an unworthy fashion. Not paying attention to what God wanted, right? So, what does that tell me? That tells me that there were people who were sick in the congregation that didn't have to be sick. Now, I'm not twisting the word, am I? Do you not read that with me? For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment to himself, on himself. That is why many of you are weak. How many of you want to be strong? I want to be strong. I don't want to be weak. So I want to get it right. Right? Get it right and be strong. Amen? Alright? That is why many of you are weak and ill, which means sick. How many of you have been sick recently? How, how many of you would like to be healed? Amen? Alright. And some have died. So don't tell me you can't die before you should die. If you get this wrong, this is, the, this is one of the sternest warnings that I've ever found in the Bible. Don't mess this up. And I don't understand how people mess it up because it's so easy. 
I don't think God could have made this more simple for us. Can you say amen? Amen. All right. Just take a look. Don't be afraid to look. You know, the thing I've also found, most of us already know what God's been wanting from us before we ever even asked Him. All right? So there's the part of giving it to Him, all right, when you need to give it to Him. Some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, if we judged ourselves truly, amen? Say that with me. If we judged ourselves truly, right? We would not be judged. Now, there are two different original renderings for the word judged. Here's how it works. Would you like to be judged today, disciplined a little bit, or be judged at the final judgment for not living our lives the way God wanted us to live our lives? I'd rather be judged today. I'd rather know that God took me out behind one of the woodsheds over here and dealt with me today because guess what? I live through that, right? Right? I don't, I don't want or need any harsher judgment than that. I want this judgment. I want this discipline. I will embrace this discipline today. Can you say amen? But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Do you see what a difference maker that is? Huge, isn't it? So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. So, what do we know? We know that we can have communion as often as we want to. Um, Mom White, what did I tell you if you didn't make it here today? I'm going to bring it to you. I was going to bring communion to you. Right? But I see you today. God, God's already brought you through the storm and you're up looking good. Um, let's just let God in communion just take care of the rest of anything else that might be hanging on. All right? But I'd have brought communion to you. And I'd already made up my mind that if Mary couldn't be here, guess what I'm going to do with Mary? I'm going to take communion to Mary. If Rachel couldn't be here, guess what I was going to do? I'm going to take communion to Rachel. Right? Listen very carefully to the testimonies that will come forth from these services. You know why people getting healed in a communion service is my favorite way to see people get healed? It doesn't take nothing but you and God. I'm going to tell you something. I've known people in my lifetime that walked under such a heavy anointing of God. And they were casting demons out of people. I'm standing by a man who um, called a woman up out of a lawn chair because she was crippled. I know she was crippled. I knew her. She was crippled. She couldn't even get in one of them therapy things and hold herself up. You know what I'm saying? She was crippled. And God raised her from that, and she ran. All right? She moved. She took off, okay? I saw that same man pray for my 
nearly 80-year-old grandmother who weighed 88 pounds. She was about 4 foot 10, maybe 4 9. Little teeny tiny woman, Southern Baptist, didn't know anything about the Holy Ghost or divine healing or nothing. The next morning, we were going to take her to the hospital and they were going to remove a large portion of her stomach and her intestines because she had cancer. But she saw that woman get up and run. You know what I'm saying? She saw a man have demons cast out of him. She saw all these things and she got up and worked her way to the front and I'm standing behind this guy because I'm a 19-year-old intern in the church, right? And I'm keeping people from tripping over his microphone wire. They didn't have handheld remote mics because I'm old now. We got them now. We didn't have them then. My job was to keep him from tripping on the mic cord or me or anybody else, right? I'm standing there, and my eyes are about this big around because my little grandmother's standing there. I almost thought to myself, what are you doing, Grandma? <laughs> You know, Grandma's this Southern Baptist little frail thing, you know. He reached out and laid hands on her, and my grandmother crumpled to the ground. Lifted her hands to heaven for 45 minutes. She prayed. She prayed, and she praised God. She worshiped. We had to get Grandma up off the ground 45 minutes later and take her home, put her to bed, get her up the next morning, take her to the hospital, and we, they take her away, and we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting, Several hours later, they bring grandma back to us. He said, we couldn't operate her because she didn't have cancer anymore. Now, I'm not wanting to scare you, but maybe, maybe I do want to scare you. Maybe I do want to do that. That same man, I knew him for about 10 years. That same man that I saw people healed, I saw people set free, I saw all manner of miracles at the hand of the Holy Spirit. Ten years later, that man was backslid. He was caught in a gay bar selling drugs in a pink fur coat and a pink hat. And he went to prison. He was already divorced. He was a drug addict. He had AIDS. He was gay. And he died in prison of AIDS. Now, why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because if you want to lay hands on the sick and see them get healed, you better watch out. The Holy Spirit and the flesh has never mixed well, and it never will. The Holy Spirit and the flesh does not mix. Are you hearing me? I watched as that man went through some changes. Now, the first time I ever saw this happen, this man, um, this man stood up and said, the Holy Spirit's not saying anything tonight. So we're not, we're not going to force it. We're not going to push it. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to worship God, and then we're going to get into the Word together. And, we'll, and if God wants to do something, He can interrupt it any time He wants. Now, how many of you know that was perfect? Because the Holy Spirit can stop talking any time He wants to. And when he stops talking, we better stop talking. When he stops saying things, you better stop saying he's saying things. Right? Now, what went wrong? Well, for whatever reason, God was kind of putting the brakes on with this man. 
He was putting the brakes on for whatever reason. All right. Now, it went fine for a while saying God's not saying anything, so we're not going to say anything. But after a while, I hate to tell you this, but the offerings dropped off. Hey, when he came to preach at our church the first time, when I was 19 years old, our church would seat 600 comfortably, and we had 800 people inside and another 400 outside looking through the windows trying to see what was happening. All right? When 1,200 people show up in an auditorium that seats 600 comfortably, something must be happening, right? So, when that changes or modifies and those things stop happening and the offerings drop off and people stop coming, do you understand now why I warned you about the loaves and the fishes syndrome? Right? So you say, what does this got to do with communion? No, it has everything to do with communion. I want you to be able to lay hands on the sick and see them get healed. I want you to speak to the demon possessed in the name of Jesus and cast them out. They got to hit the road. Amen? And remember, you're going to be fine as long as you hold on to the fact that it's not about you. It's about God. And that if God can speak through a jackass, He can do just about anything through you and you need to respond about the same way the jackass did. Rather matter-of-factly. Worship God for it, praise Him for it, but don't look at it as some kind of personal endorsement on your life. I'm going to quit my job now. I'm going to get a circus tent. I'm going to travel the country. I'm going to preach. I'm going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to get healed and we're going to take great big huge offerings. You can't hardly name a big name person in this country today that I haven't met in the ministry. I've met them. I've been with them. I have seen the rises. I've seen the falls. I was, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to mention the names. It doesn't matter. But what I'm telling you is, I'd rather start pastoring a church with 30 people in it and us all get together in the Word, learn what the Bible says about communion. We are going to tackle this subject, though, about the Holy Spirit before long. The end of summer is what God's told me. When we're finished with Ephesians, we're going to tackle this subject about the Holy Spirit and we're going to learn to get it right. Why? It's as important for your own personal safety as it is to see anything that the Holy Spirit wants to do. Why do you think that the Holy Spirit, by general terms in this country, in churches, is getting very quiet? Because it's very difficult for him to find people that he can use without it ruining them. You pray about that. Ask God if I'm not telling you the truth. But listen to me now. Don't don't raise your hand. I don't want to see your hand. But I want you to ask yourself this. Am I the kind of person that wants to get right with God to the point that the Holy Spirit can do anything through me that he wants to do. You've got to answer that for yourself. With God's help. And a communion service is a real good place. To get started there. Amen. It's a real good place. To move in that direction. One more thing. And then we're going to take communion together. Be open to whatever God wants to say to you. Or do to you. Amen. Number one. Number two, if there's something wrong with you, give it to God. I mean, 
Yeah, I don't, if something wrong with you inside or something wrong with your physical body, I don't care what it is, and God doesn't either. He doesn't care what it is. Give it to him. Let him heal it. Amen? Let him deal with the spiritual sickness first. Amen? And then let him deal with the physical. There's priorities. Amen? But whatever you do, whatever you do, remember this. Examine yourself. Be faithful to God to give him whatever he wants. Invite the Holy Spirit to help you. He can be brutal. But it's good for you. Amen? And I'm going to tell you this. If there's anything between you and a brother and sister in the Lord. You know, he talks about division there in, in the beginning there. And when he was talking about the division, the positive side is, how many of you know that oftentimes when there is conflict, both sides can be wrong, right? But there are times when one side is correct and one side is wrong. You, you, you hear what I'm saying? But that doesn't matter in the light of this. If you have odd against your brother, odd against your sister, it's very important to get that fixed before you do this, if the person's here. I will tell you, if the person's not here, you can do that, but you better not forget to go and fix that. How many of you know what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? There is no room in the body of Christ for petty family squabbles. How is the world going to know we're Christians? Tell me that. How are they going to know we're Christians? Wait a minute. Don't mumble. The love. They love one another. They're not going to know we're Christians if we don't love each other. They will know we are Christians by our love for one another. We may not always get along perfectly with each other. Um, you have a right to disagree. Amen? But the more important right is the only one you got in the kingdom of God is the right to love. That's all you got. That's all you got to stand on, the right to love. Amen? All right. Stand up with me.